Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? And we're live. Welcome, everybody, here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin, joined on this fine Tuesday afternoon by Jovan Buha of The Athletic, friend of the show. Uh, I, I, I would just say, like, a, a, a legitimately, I think, I think Aaron called you the people's reporter. I think that's true. I think with the amount of shows and appearances you do, I think you are the, the, the leading candidate for most popular beat reporter out there. I try. I try to be as accessible as uh, as possible, and I, I really love like interacting with people, and and I try to respond to, to tweets when I can. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I will take it. I, I guess I got that nickname on the the playback, uh, you know, all access Lakers streams that I've I've done over the last few months, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm humbled by it. I, I appreciate it. Um, Jovan does incredible work for the athletic. He's been, uh, on top of the Lakers in, in really cool ways. And then on top of the, the, the goings on, um, and we are in the, the busiest time I would say of the NBA season minutes, I would say before we went live, we got news <laughs> that, uh, Adrian Griffin was fired by the Milwaukee Bucks. And now that apparently Doc Rivers is a leading candidate to replace him, there is just something that like NBA owners can't help themselves. If you are on ESPN and you're on their nationally televised games and you just preach platitudes that don't have anything to do, honestly, with what they're watching. If you just say like they need to feel connected more, NBA owners can't help themselves. They are going to hire you. Um, so, you know, the only thing that was, uh, you know, getting in the way, like that makes it even the more special that, that Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson weren't able to get, get jobs out of it. Mark, Doc Rivers sits in that chair for about six months and, and here we already are. I know a lot of Lakers fans are wondering because Adrian Griffin, uh, the team that he was coaching has a much better record. Uh, Griffin had a much better relationship with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, who is that team's best player. I know a lot of Lakers fans are really curious, and I know this isn't necessarily where we were going to go in the show, but sometimes you have to adjust on the fly. Lakers fans are probably wondering, why did this guy get the can, and why is Darvin Ham somehow safe at 500 in the nine spot of the conference? Uh, Jovan, do you want to speak to that to, you know, to, the, to the extent that you can? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a fair question. Uh, but I think, 
you know, we were just discussing it pre-show. Like, I think that Clippers win was sneakily important. Uh, the the buzz I had been hearing hearing before the game rather uh, was that it was trending toward Darwin kind of being safe no matter what. But yeah. if the team continued to spiral and get you know, four or five games under five hundred, go on a five six seven game losing streak, like that's where the the seat would go from. Um, I had made the the analogy of it was like a seat warmer in the car and yeah you got the three levels there it was on like level one it was getting a little bit warm Mm -hmm. but you know not not in in, you know not dire by any means or or he wasn't uh you know threatening to be fired at at that moment but you lose to the clippers then i mean they had that stretch coming up of of clippers thunder mavericks and to win all three of those games uh sandwich in there was the blowout loss to the suns and the loss to the jazz without lebron on the road uh but i think they uh, they didn't write the ship because you, you saw the brooklyn loss and and they are five and three over their last eight games with, with some uh, again double digit losses in there but i think overall the way the team has been playing these last this last week week and a half uh has saved arvin and seems like he's gonna be safe for the rest of the season uh of course that can all like my understanding is that could change if things just go haywire and yeah. again like it's like they lose seven eight in a row and, and just the season appears lost but at that point like the season's basically over anyway so firing him i don't know if that yeah. solves anything necessarily other than maybe at that point it's just an untenable situation so um i understand i mean i get it every time i tweet out the starting lineup or just basically anything yeah i get the the darvin pushback and i think a lot of the criticism is deserved uh yeah but you know the, with where things are at he's almost certainly going to be safe throughout the rest of the season again barring a catastrophic stretch which i don't think any of their their recent skids kind of reach that level what we need is for LeBron to like tweet what in response to Adrian Griffin getting fired. That would be incredible. Um, but no, I I would add to all of that, and I agree with all of it. And and I and like you know, to those who wonder about this stuff, like as soon as this came out and I tweeted that I didn't see it coming, the reason I didn't see it coming is is because like the Adrian Griffin hire was a Giannis hire. They hired the guy to, because he was like, you know, uh, Giannis's best bud basically on that coaching staff last year. And I thought that would make him safe throughout the season. I think a, a tidbit or a detail that has got, gotten kind of overlooked is uh, Terry Stotts stepping away right before the season started that was kind of their dame hire, right? That that would mm-hmm. be kind of the stand-in in the in the coaching room and in, in in film rooms and stuff for Dame's voice. And there was the long uh, piece that I believe uh, Shams Karania wrote on that situation there in Milwaukee and how Griffin has kind of struggled with communication this season. And uh, you know, it, it was it was a it was an inter- it's been an interesting season there and. Um, you know, as I'm, as I'm, um, you know, talking right now about the reaction to Adrian Griffin getting fired, I got the meme. That's like the pastor, like looking down as Jesus. I see what you've done for other people. I want that for me. Like, I totally understand the frustrations here with him and, and, and it's not only uh, fan frustration, but there's some player frustration has been kind of a steady factor. Very, in- very apparent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, and it's, it's, uh, and I think the, the, the frustrations are, are well found and, um, we'll see, I am I'm, I'm with you. I don't think he gets fired this season. He has gotten, you know, even when, you know, I wrote what I wrote and then, uh, you and Shams wrote what you guys wrote for the athletic and you had that ripple effect kind of go throughout the organization. You guys had six, uh, sources that were willing to come forward and, 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 be listed in the piece. Um, and I thought it was a very well uh, written and founded piece on the situation there with mm-hmm. ham. And when it's that loud, when it's that many people who were coming out and, and, and speaking to the situation there, the Lakers have no 
choice but to listen and take that into account. And um, I was really kind of curious what the fallout of that was going to be. And then like a couple days later, um, Sam Amick, also of The Athletic, writes a piece in which he talks about Jeannie Buss and Rob Polinka stepping forward and showing their support for Darwin. After that, you had Chris Haynes on a nationally televised game talking about the same thing, that Jeannie and Rob really stand by their guy. And I started kind of asking around, what's, you know, is there something worth kind of looking into here? And it does, I do kind of get the sense that Jeannie and Rob feel some pressure that this was their hire, you know, uh, following, you know, what went down with Frank Bogle. This is, you know, coach number two. And if this doesn't work out, there's going to be some questions asked because this is more dead money on the Lakers books if they fire the guy. And I, I do kind of wonder what kind of impact that has had on the process and, and how this has gone down as far as Darwin's job though. And, and, and you mentioned the lineups and you mentioned, uh, and, and I guess you agreed with, with the notion of the frustration here with the guys. Um, do you ever get the sense that like he has lost the locker room? Like just outright, do you ever get the sense that this is, this is not fixable with him and, and whether it's, a pocket of guys, whether it's the entirety of the room, whether it's, you know, uh, a couple important voices, like what, what kind of sense in being there on a more daily basis do you get from um, the, 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 the standing he has with the guys he's trying to lead? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I, I don't think he's lost the locker room because I, I think you'd potentially see a, a situation like Milwaukee, like that, that's a situation where clearly, yeah. I mean, it's about as quick as you can get fired uh, as it's a crazy you know, halfway through your first season as a head coach like that. That's about as bad as it gets. And yeah. with Darvin, um, you know, I, I think there, there's clearly been frustration and you've seen it like I, I'm not breaking any news here, but you've seen yeah. it with the postgame com- uh, you know, comments from Absolutely. several players like you, you. It's pretty unanimous that any player we talk to at some point will bring up the rotations, the lineups and the general frustration and, uh, you know, disappointment, you compliment the other coach (laughs) compliments to, to opposing coaches. And then, uh, you've also had, I mean, our story came out at this point almost three weeks ago and you've Mm -hmm. not really had any player come out and defend Darwin during this three week period. Yeah. And then on top of that, even his comments since then have really been about, ownership and the front office supporting him and not necessarily the players. He had the one comment about, you know, being on the same page with LeBron and AD and that he, mm-hmm. he runs stuff by them. But aside from that, there hasn't been this like, Oh, well, you know, all the players are on the same page with me or, or this and that. And he, he since talked about some conversations that he's had with D'Angelo Russell and how him and Russell don't always see eye to eye. So really like, the, the team has turned it around to an extent with, with some of their recent wins and um, you know, some impressive wins against some pretty good opponents, but really like if you just look at the public availabilities and what everyone has been saying and, and the, the way they respond to certain questions uh, like you, you can kind of see like it's, it's yeah not everyone's on the same page. Like that that's, I think that's, that's kind of putting it at a minimum. Uh, but as far as the locker room, like, I think that the biggest thing is is what we reported as far as guys just want consistency guys want, like, this is the starting group. These are the top eight or nine. And yes, there's injuries are going to pop up. Like Torian Prince gets added to the injury report. He's a starter. That's going to change the rotation. But aside from situations like that, I, I think that the frustration has stemmed from the wholesale changes of sometimes it is a starters out or a key bench guys out. And then all of a sudden it is a brand new rotation to kind of compensate for one player being out. And yes, they've had a lot of injuries. There have been, you know, a lot of games where it's been several guys out, several key contributors. I think the Gabe Vincent loss, uh, it's kind of yeah. gets swept under the rug now because he's been out basically the whole season, but like that was their primary off season addition. That was like the main, like he was supposed to be the the Dennis replacement. He was supposed to be a backup point guard who was going to close some games depending on how D'Angelo Russell was performing. And to not have that guy, to not have another shooter and a ball handler, like it has affected things. At the same time, 
LeBron, AD, Austin, and D'Lo have basically been healthy all season. Uh, if if you look at the Lakers' injuries, they're they're closer to like that top ten. Rather, they're not like leading the league in injuries, so it's not like they've ha- just been totally decimated. And they have had a tough schedule, but the schedule is starting to lighten up. So like you can kind of, I guess, view it in a positive way and in a negative way. But the, the fact of the matter is, I think the players just want some more consistency. You have seen that the last few games. I think the Torian injury did throw a wrench in that, and, and we'll see if he plays tonight. We'll, we'll see how that affects things. Of course, LeBron is out, so that's just another situation where you're going to have yeah. a new starting lineup, most likely. Uh, but I think the guys just want to know, like, hey, I'm playing from the eight-minute mark to the two-minute mark. Like, I'm going to play in this quarter and this quarter, and like this is the general rotation. And I think the continually changing the identity and, and changing the rotation and changing the lineups, like for them to not be, you know, be able to say, this is our best five man unit, 45 games into the season. Uh, that That's pretty wild. So I think from what I've heard, that's been the, the biggest fr- you know point of frustration. Um, I think you look at a guy like D'Lo, uh, he, he's a perfect example of this, of D'Lo gets benched for that all wing lineup in late yeah. December. And then he's starting to play less uh, off the bench. Uh, and right before he returns to the starting lineup, he had a game where he played 16 minutes, which was a season low. And then all of a yeah. sudden he's back in the starting lineup. He's putting up 30 points a game and like, he's, he's looking really good, but like, he's a guy who, who has had his role and spot in the rotation kind of toyed with. You, you can make the case for Austin, him coming off the bench early in the season. Rui is, is probably Rui. the, the, the most, the worst case of it all, but Vando, like you can just kind of like really the only guys that have had stable roles have been LeBron and AD, which you expect Torian. And can't crazy. And outside of those four, uh, and, and one guy's a vet minimum guy, one guy's was the biannual exception guy. And outside yeah. of those four, the, the other six to eight spots in the rotation have vacillated throughout the season. And it hasn't all been because of injuries. So I think yeah. that's been the 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 kind of the the point of contention in, in recent weeks. It has gotten better. They've been winning. Uh, I think the, the rotation has solidified a little bit more, but I think it's going to have to go another few weeks. And then on top of it, you have the trade deadline looming over all this of potentially one, two, three, four guys aren't going to be on the roster. And now you're going to have to start over again with new starting lineup, new rotation. Um, So there's a lot going on right now uh, that that has led to some of the frustration and and, and just disagreement that has been going on. Uh, But so I I would say to, to kind of circle back, like I don't think the locker room is lost, but they're definitely not on the same page. And there are fractures within the locker room. And it is something that this team is going to have to address, be it by making some trades or by continuing to win and having more consistency uh, really for the rest of the season, I think, for this to turn around. Absolutely. Uh, really quick before we move on, um, shouts to Nick Dasilski saying, go Lakers. I've been listening to your podcast for years now. Regards from Madrid. I appreciate that. It's just always crazy. Like Madrid, That's Brazil, awesome. Germany, all that stuff. It's just it's just the YouTube and the Internet. It's a crazy place. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to then use that as an opportunity to segue to the trade deadline, which is what we were going to talk about in the first place. Um Today, the initial news that we were going to, to to bring up and kind of use as a launching point was the Terry Rozier trade. Um, I had reported coming in, heading into the, the, the trade deadline stuff and trade deadline season that Rozier was a name to keep track of. After that, I in after I wrote about that, I then heard that the Lakers had reached out to Charlotte about his availability and what that cost would be. Um, he then gets traded for essentially Kyle Lowry's expiring contract. Lowry's probably going to head to the buyout market. And I would imagine the Lakers are going to have some interest there, given uh, Gabe Benson's uh, lack of avail- availability this season. They'd had previous. I, I don't know if they should add a Miami point guard. Let, let's be I know. <laughs> it's, it's kind of terrifying. <laughs> they, like, they gotta, they're going to sign like, Lowry. He's going to get injured immediately. <laughs> they got to they gotta, like, if they do like sign Lowry, they got to make sure he goes through Charlotte first so that Pat Riley can't break his kneecaps on his way out those doors. Like it's it that's the concern. There's these bone bruises that Riley has, like just kind of hitting them on their way out. Um, but uh, Rozier though is somebody that the Lakers, um, I believed, were going to have interest in, and then found out that they did eventually make some calls into Charlotte for him, seeing as it was going to cost a first rounder, and the Lakers have only one to work with this year. Uh, they wound up sitting out those negotiations to a certain extent because. Uh, 
DeJounte Murray is still their kind of top priority this this trade deadline season. Um, I, I do have a question, though, because this trade deadline is moving so much faster than years prior. You had OG traded a couple weeks ago. You had Pascal Siakam traded last week. You have now Terry Rozier traded this week. And I do kind of think that the Lakers somewhat correctly are sitting there saying like, why is this happening so quickly? Because I think they figured they could come back to Rozier later in the deadline season um, once they find out, you know, for sure that Murray wasn't going to happen. And then he just gets moved. So, like, I, did, what kind of sense did you get in their interest on in, on, in Murray, in, in or, uh, Rozier in the first place? And, like, is everybody sitting there like, why are we freaking? Like, why is this moving so quickly? Do you think this will have an impact on how quickly the Lakers move this deadline season? Potentially. Um, and, and, you know, to, to go back to something I reported on and I know you reported on as well, uh, the DeJounte Murray talks uh, got pretty close. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. they, they were pretty close to uh, getting to the level of, of approval and, and, you know, figuring out the, the final framework yeah, of that deal and stuff. Yeah. All that stuff. But it, it was getting to that point uh, be, before the talks fell apart. So, you know, it had that happened when those talks were happening. I mean, that was uh, about a week and a half ago, looking at the yeah. date quickly. Uh, like that would have been the Lakers making their big move almost a month before the trade deadline. So yeah, I think the, the, the way that this season has played out, there are a lot of haves and have nots. I mean, we, we have some historically bad teams uh, to say not, I mean, clearly Detroit, but even looking at San Antonio, Portland, Charlotte, uh, you're, you're kind of seeing like, already the the, the play-in mix is, is basically set in in both conferences yeah. and there's a lot of you know there's a lot more buyers than sellers right now so i think when you have the opportunity to pull the trigger on a move you're gonna do it and even if it's a little bit you know, quicker than uh or or a, a little bit sooner in the timeline rather than we're accustomed to because uh, you know okay most of the time it's like 90 percent of the trades happen or including the big yeah. trades happen within a few days of the trade deadline at most, but really like that day Sometimes before and the before, day of, right? You had minutes, like yeah, loads so, tweeting like, oh my, like good Lord, you know, right before the deadline or right after the deadline passed. Cause like 13 moves were all within minutes of the deadline ending. And, and already like, I mean, there's a, there's a possibility that depending on how you view OG and Anobi, the two biggest names at the trade deadline could have already moved potentially mm -hmm. in Pascal possibly. and OG, but, you know, possibly, uh, you know, I, I would say DeJounte is a bigger name uh, and I think he's going to get traded. But uh, so I, I would say with, with Rogier, it's a name that I had heard dating back to last season. I, the, I know the Lakers yes. have had uh, interest in him prior. I mean, he, he was one of the options they were considering uh, with the, the rust trade and, and you're just kind of talking through different things. But um, I think he, he would have made sense, but, is D'Lo to Rogier? You know, first off, is that even an upgrade? And, and second off, is it worth the additional, uh, you know, draft capital and, and assets you you would have likely had to have given up? Uh, you know, would Charlotte have even wanted D'Lo uh, and to pair him with Lamelo, or would it have been a similar situation to Atlanta where you now have to reroute him, and then now yeah. you have to likely give up additional assets on top of what you're giving up to Charlotte? Uh, so, I mean, I. I think you can make a case like D'Lo to Rogier is a lateral move, if not potentially a downgrade. Uh, like I, I would say, as far as shooting and passing, I think it's a downgrade. I, I think you can make a yeah. case uh, Rogier is maybe maybe his floor is a little bit higher than D'Lo, uh, and, and I think he's defense. a better defender. He, he's tougher and he's a better defender than D'Lo, but you you are you know risking some stuff uh, with you know, moving D'Lo for for Rogier. I, I don't think it's like this clear cut upgrade that. Uh, to me, a DeJounte would be if I'm the Lakers. But, uh, you know, the, the Rogier trade also kind of sets the market now of yeah. an expiring and a first. And if I'm Atlanta, I think that gives me a little bit more leverage and talks with the Lakers and, and talks with whoever else just because I'm looking at like DeJounte is uh, a former all star. Uh, he, he's on a, a pretty reasonable deal. Like you're going to be yeah. getting him for the next few years. And, uh, so I think it's interesting, but things are happening faster than usual. And I think part of it is just 
teams sensing like we have a shot to honestly like maybe even looking at the Lakers and the Heat and kind of what they did last season of like if we can put the right pieces together we can go on a run even if we are a playing team depending on how the matchups break up uh but I mean looking at New York like they're a team that feels like they can depending on the matchups you know make the second round at least uh Indiana I, I think you know they viewed it as like you know, we can bring in a second star next to Tyrese Halberton, who's having an all NBA and an all-star season. Uh, so I think it's, it's really about teams sensing the moment and being like, what's the point of waiting another month, even if it is the difference between a protected pick or a non-protected pick or throwing in a second rounder or whatever asset you're, you're adding in that you maybe wouldn't have to give in a month later. Uh, I think teams are, are just really aggressive right now. And because there's so much competition for these players, because everyone's trying to buy, you're seeing the prices drive up a little bit. So um, yeah. again, that's why I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers make a move within the next few days, within the next week. Um, I do think it, it's likely going to happen closer to the trade deadline because that's just how these things tend to work. It will drive the prices down slightly uh, because when, once you're up against that deadline, it's like, we, we got to figure this out. Uh, but I think with the way that tr the, this trade season has gone, I wouldn't be surprised if you see another move this week potentially and then kind of just the domino effect of there of teams being like we, we got to do something before someone else jumps in uh, because yeah. it's also a musical chairs game where okay Rogier's off the board but that takes a you know a team that might have been interested in Rogier. now it's like they're looking okay Dejounte's still there uh you know who, who like who else was on Brogdon. that level Brogdon yeah. uh uh Tyus Jones like uh it's just you're starting to drop in, in like in terms of available difference making. I mean, look, D'Angelo, I guess it would be another name in that mix uh, for, for opposing teams. But uh, it's interesting how this trade deadline shaping up. And I do think, though, a big part of it is the parity and teams just sensing like if we can make a move sooner than later, we can get some momentum. We can figure this out and we can go on a run in the standings and in the postseason. What are the chances D'Angelo like? is on the roster past the deadline. This has been one of the weirder seasons with him in that, you know, he signs his deal or he agrees to a deal. And apparently part of those negotiations was foregoing that um, no trade clause at the time of signing. Like that is pretty out of the norm in and out of the norm in and of itself. Um, he comes into the season and, you know, there was like a two or three day period between coming to an agreement and actually signing his deal. And I'm told the Lakers at that point were kind of looking around to seeing if they could do some kind of a sign and trade. Um, didn't like the the, the um, returns at that time. So they said, OK, cool. We'll go into the season with him. He has had an up and down season, mostly up, though. I think he's been mostly fine. He had that one stretch, like immediately following the first wave of Zach Levine rumors where. Uh, his play really slipped, eventually got benched. But since he's gone back into the starting lineup, he's playing out of his mind, you know, averaging almost 30 points a game, shooting great from the field, all of these things. Um, what are the chances you think the Lakers recommit to him, given the asking prices out there? Um, I think I think it really depends on how the, the deadline plays out with, with what guys are available. I, I do think that... Obviously, if DeJounte is on the table and he's on the table, uh, that is a yeah. player the Lakers would be willing to give D'Lo up for. But I think the asking price for like for the other guys, I think it is a real it's a real consideration for them of just like, are we making a lateral move? Are we just shaking things up to shake it up? And again, if you're having to attach assets to any D'Lo trade, which from my understanding, you know, is the situation. Then again, is it, you know, is the potential improvement that we're getting from acquiring player X worth the assets that we have to give up? Now, I think the the one thing, so I, I would say, uh, my understanding is the odds of them keeping D'Lo are slightly increased just because of how well he's playing, and I think them being more okay with potentially just standing pat, retaining their assets. I, I know you've been on um, the the potentially saving the. Uh, first round yeah. picks for the, this off season. And that is a, a path that they are considering. Uh, now, the one thing with D'Lo that I think people have to keep in mind 
is the contract situation. Yeah. He is, he does have a player option for next season for $18.7 million. And uh, not to make this a, a D'Lo versus an Austin thing, but I have seen a lot of people with the way both guys are playing right now kind of point to, well, why don't we trade Austin? Uh, yeah. And, and you know, wh- why, why not keep D'Lo trade Austin? But given D'Lo's contract situation, you know, aside from whoever you want to say is the better player, the better fit, the, the third best guy on the team, um, I would still say all that is Austin, but I understand if you want to make the case for D'Lo, I, I don't think I mean, you can make a case for D'Lo for sure. Uh, what you have to remember is that because of the player option situation, if he's opting in, something has kind of gone wrong where he just doesn't have yeah. a, a lot of value around the league. And it, you know, if he continues to play this way for the rest of the season and the Lakers actualize their potential as a team that could make the second round, make the conference finals, whatever, and D'Lo doesn't have offers and, and opts in, like that's kind of a, a troubling sign in and of itself. But on, on the other side, if he does play like this, you know, more realistically for the rest of the season, he's about to get paid this off season. And now all of a sudden you are potentially committing to D'Lo at 20, 25 million. Um, I I doubt it would go much higher than that uh, compared to Austin at potentially half of that. And yeah, uh, regardless of whatever you think of Austin, I don't think there's, I don't think D'Lo is worth double the price of Austin. And of course, Austin is cost controlled because of the restrictive free agency, because of that situation. But just from yeah. an asset manage stamp, uh, management standpoint, you get Austin for at least two more years, if not three, at a, a reasonable team-friendly cost-controlled price versus D'Lo either opting into his player option because he didn't have a market or opting out. And now all of a sudden, you have to pay him a lot of money to retain him. And now that limits some of your flexibility with the rest of your payroll. So just from an asset management roster building you know cap sheet perspective austin is the much better value again kind of regardless of whatever gap you think exists between them so i think that's the thing the lakers are, are kind of weighing right now is like we're in the situation with Delo where again if he opts in that means he doesn't have much of a market or if he opts out now we have to pay him or lose him for nothing and now you potentially just traded austin and lose Delo this this upcoming off season so it's like Really, the D'Lo contract was signed to be traded. The the way it yep. was structured was, was to have that tradable, movable salary in that mid-size range for the Lakers to make an upgrade at the trade deadline. So, uh, again, you know, D'Lo, I, I think, is exceeding his contract right now, obviously, with the, the level he's playing at. But if things keep up, it's really trending more towards him opting out and getting a bag this summer. And if you're the Lakers, you know, Maybe you view him as worth that, but it, it is something that they are. Con- you got to make that call kind of now within the next couple of weeks of what's his market going to look like this offseason? Is he going to opt out? And, and there's just a lot of factors that go into it beyond just, you know, the, the win now of this season. That, that's obviously an important factor. But for them, I don't think there's a big gap between Austin and D'Lo again on either side. And if you can keep the guy who's cheaper, who's younger, who's locked in for more years. You're going to value that. And that's the reason why ultimately uh, or part of the reason why the Lakers don't want to trade Austin and really have no interest in moving him uh, versus D'Lo. I think they look at it as either way. We're, we're kind of in a tough spot this offseason of either he's on a contract he's not worth or we have to pay him a lot more. So we probably have to move that guy. Yeah, it's uh, the thing with Austin and D'Lo is that like. It, from a playing standpoint, too. Austin can move on the ball when he's playing with LeBron and they go through those like LeBron Austin sets that are really actually pretty productive um, in late in late game situations. And he can move off of the ball and he can provide you some spot up shooting and he can do some more of the little things. And I think the Lakers like the fact that at 12 million bucks a year, um, he can do both of those things. Whereas D'Lo, we saw him really struggle early in the season when they were trying to force Austin onto the ball, D'Lo really kind of struggled and it made both of those guys, I think, worse version of themselves. And um, I think that's a factor. And then look, like um, I'm told that Jeannie Buss specifically likes the idea of having a homegrown talent as a member of this core here. Um, she really likes Austin, the, the, the player, and she really likes Austin, the story. And, and yep. when you have ownership on your side, that's going to be a big factor. 
Um, the other thing too, as it pertains to D'Lo and the contract here is like, you got to think about the relationship D'Lo has with the Lakers. If he continues playing like this, he will have been traded once by the Lakers back in the day when, you know, when he was shipped off to Brooklyn in the salary dump, he was brought back and um, helped get the Lakers to the playoffs. And then immediately basically signed a deal that was below what he thought his market was and was asked to, to, to waive that no trade clause. Then his name was on the trade market all season. And so like, if he plays well here, I don't know. I'm not sure how much goodwill he would have towards the Lakers. If they came out and said, yeah, we totally were, were comfortable paying you. Cool. Then I, you know, you take the money, you're going to take the money. But, you know, the, the concern of losing him for nothing, I think is slightly upticked because D'Angelo Russell hasn't had the best relationship organizationally with this franchise, you know, and, and that's something that, that I think they're, they're kind of cognizant of too. And that's something they have to weigh into the risk of, all right, D'Lo's playing really well and we like this core. We're going to see what, what comes off from this core. I do think DeJounte Murray is a pretty big upgrade from D'Lo. I know a lot of people because of the way D'Lo is playing right now are, are, you know, a little higher than they would be normally. But DeJounte Murray, like the the reason the Lakers are interested in him is because he can play defense. He has shown an ability to play defense at some point in his career. And yeah, it's been, it's, it's been, uh, he hasn't been playing as good defensively of late, but he's playing with Trey Young. And he, and he's like asked to handle all of the, the, the perimeter defense in Atlanta. I think, I just, I think that's a tough spot to put somebody in. And, uh, I think the Lakers like that. And then there's there's a clutch aspect of, of all of this as well. Um, you mentioned essentially the different paths that the Lakers have in front of them, right? They could swing for the fences with a with a player like Murray, right? I guess Jeremy Grant fits into this as well. Um, and, and other players of that ilk. They could kind of hit a single or a double, right? With a Malcolm Brogdon, a Gary Trent Jr., whatever. They can do some combination of the two if they really want to go all in this season. Um, or they can hold on to that that 29 pick and then have potentially upwards of three first rounders that they can move it at, at, at on draft night of this upcoming season. If you had to handicap this or if you had to, you know, uh, bet on or not even bet on, but predict the, the, the path ahead of them that you see them uh, heading down, which which do you think is the likeliest? Uh, oof. I would say, I guess a, a bigger move would be, I'd put that as slightly the favorite. And I guess specifically, I, I'm going to say Murray, just because from my understanding, they did get very close on a Murray yeah. deal. Um, and those talks are expected to pick back up at some point between now and, and February 8th. Uh, so I, I think that's the one that, uh, and I, I know they're they're trying to find a third team right now uh, to to help facilitate the deal. So I, I would say I'd handicap it as as almost I'm almost going to add a fourth category here of like I'm going to make Murray his own uh, mm -hmm. path category or, or path. Mm -hmm. I, I would say Murray first, smaller move, small to mid sized move, uh, big move third. Uh, like you know, separate big move, and then fourth, uh, the retaining the the draft picks for the summer. Just because I think if, if the way like they're in a win now situation, and I I don't think that like this team has the potential to beat anybody on a given night, and I think they could upset someone in the first round. Looking at already the matchups, like if they're playing OKC in the first round as a seven or eight seed, I think the Lakers have a legitimate chance to win that series. But to solely rely on them to figure that out as a, a bottom tier team with the current group, like this current group clearly has uh, flaws. And I, I think part of the inconsistency, it does stem from the injuries. It does stem from the rotations and the lineups, but it also stems from the roster construction. And yeah. I don't think that gets talked about enough necessarily. Yeah, but there like, aren't enough two-way there, there are a lot of, exactly. There are a lot of one-way guys on this team. And that's why you see, I thought D'Lo had that quote about a week ago about when it's our, you know, when our offense is playing well, it's our defense. When our defense is playing well, it's our offense. And that's kind of because you sort like you have to play certain guys 
to to be yeah. good on one side of the ball. And that comes with the drawbacks of if you're playing Vando and Cam more, well, now you don't have gravity. You don't have three-point shooting. Your offense is going to have a, a certain ceiling on it. And if you're going with Rui, and you know, I thought you saw some of that even in the Portland game of like, yes, that group, that, that five-man unit is really, really good offensively. You don't have a weakness offensively necessarily outside of maybe shooting with that front court. Uh, but defensively, you have some limitations of uh, you know athletic, quicker perimeter guys can get downhill against you, can create some space against you on the perimeter. So I think for them, they, they've been kind of playing whack-a-mole at, at various points this season of, okay, right now, you know, the, the, the Vando Cam lineup isn't working uh, because yeah. – no, no one has to guard those guys. Okay, well, let's go back to Austin. And then now let's go back to D'Lo and Austin. And like, there's been some wild fluctuations in part because of the limitations of the roster. And so I just don't see them standing pat and, and not making at least some sort of small move and upgrade. Um, now, again, that might mean like you can thread the needle, I guess, and do a smaller move where you don't give up a first round pick. Maybe you give up a pick swap. Maybe you uh, give up a couple seconds. Uh, maybe you, you give up, a, you know, you add in a, a Max Christie or Jalen Hood Shafino as the sweetener, and that lets you retain that first round pick. So I think there is a way to kind of thread the needle. So maybe I'd pick that over, um, you know, just doing a smaller deal by itself. But uh, I, I think for them, they're going to most likely do something. I think they realize that at a minimum, this rotation needs a bit of a shakeup. They need more two way talent. And whether it's just adding a backup point guard, adding another wing, uh, what have you, I think they are going to do something. So I would put them standing completely pat and not doing anything and, and retaining all their assets as the least likely right now. Yeah, even on that front of like the the holding on to your pick and seeing what you could do in the draft, one, you have to get LeBron's okay on that because he could be a free agent. And if he has to sit through another essentially you know, pseudo lost lost season where he knows he's going into the playoffs with a roster that he is like, not just an underdog, but a heavy underdog in some of those matchups that is going to annoy him quite a bit. And he's going to start looking around like, what am I doing here? I, Cause he has more than held up his end of the bargain. He's playing all NBA basketball at 39 years old. He's going to say like, what the hell, you know, and AD isn't that kind of person um, to ask those questions, but he's playing like somebody who should be an MVP candidate talks. If the Lakers had won more games and the Lakers haven't won more games because of like, you're talking about some of that roster construction stuff and some head coaching injuries stuff as well. But I think both of those guys are going to be like, wait, we're going to wait again, you know, and I wouldn't blame them for feeling that way. So I think if they do head down that path, that's something that they have to get okayed on. And then the other thing too is, like, yeah, Pascal Siakam went for essentially three first rounders, but they're Indiana's like first rounders. They aren't that valuable. The post LeBron, post Anthony Davis potential first rounders that the Lakers hold on to, I would argue, are the high like the 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 the, the most highly coveted draft capital that can be attained. I would I would essentially say in the league. So like you could say the picks from Detroit or from San Antonio would be higher coveted, but like, you can't get those, those there's no reason those teams would trade those picks. But in terms of are like, you, are you sure Detroit's not going to trade one for another big man? <laughs> they're going to, they're, they're going to trade one for Adrian Griffin. They like missed all of today's news and they're going to be like, well, can we go get that guy? Um, but, but like, um. <laughs> but, but they like, essentially, you know, a lot of teams around the league are looking at the Lakers after LeBron and, and bet, basically betting against an unproven front office, right. An unproven leadership ring. And um, if the Lakers were to move 29 this year, they would still have highly coveted pieces to be able to really add to the roster after the season too. So I don't necessarily see those options as mutually exclusive. I think you could go out and you can add to the roster with 29 and also importantly have like some actual um, continuity. You know, you you'll have somebody going into next season in DeJounte Murray that the organization doesn't know that it has to trade or is going to trade as it did with Russell Westbrook, as it does with D'Angelo Russell. Um if you do trade some second round draft capital for some longer term contracts, you do have more pieces together that 
at least theoretically can go into next season thinking, all right, we can build on this one. That's already gone out the window for this year for the variety of reasons that we've already outlined. Um, but I do think like this whole, and look, it's fun for me to cover. It's fun for us to cover because we're always, you know, a part of these conversations, but in terms of like actually building a healthy organization, moving forward, you can't keep either like completely reshuffling your deck or holding on to assets just to later reshuffle your deck. At some point, you have to commit to some version, some identity with LeBron and AD. And that was what was so frustrating about the in-season tournament. I thought that they had arrived at it. it. It looked like they had figured out how to play with those guys. And then they moved away from it. And now we find ourselves here again, talking about moving rotation players for other rotation players who can be maybe moved again eventually later. Um, what sense do you ever get from like an organizational stability standpoint? Is there any, like, are there people in the organization who kind of look around like, Hey, can we start bat like, like nailing down some stuff? <laughs> can we Like, is there any way that we could hold on to something and actually build here moving forward? Certainly. And I think that was part of the off season playing with the continuity. Uh, they yep. were returning the the top, five scores from the postseason run uh, another key guy in vando so you, you're returning uh, i mean starter in vando you're, you're returning six of your top seven guys from that playoff run with, with dennis being the exception and then yeah you go out and like on paper i i think this roster like should have been better than last yeah. season's roster post deadline of um you know i mean clearly now i would say dennis to gabe was a downgrade uh, oh, yeah. even I mean, even factoring it i mean of course the injuries but like yeah. uh even factoring in play like I, I would just say from what we the limited minutes we've seen from gabe uh yeah, i think dennis I was just a better player and better fit uh but i mean in theory bringing back six of your top seven uh maybe, maybe doing a lateral move at the time we kind of viewed dennis to gabe as a lateral move and then bringing in christian wood as your backup center to be better than uh you know, the, the, what they had, I mean, basically we're playing Rui at the backup five or, or Tristan Thompson uh, at, at that point. And then bringing in a Torian Prince, who to me has been an upgrade over Troy Brown, Jr. Malik Beasley, uh, not this year's Malik Beasley, but like the, <laughs> yeah. the way those guys were playing last year uh, at that, you know, by the playoff time, like Torian Prince has been better than that. Um, you know, for, for all the flack Torian gets, I, I get it, but like, yeah, he's been better than Troy Brown was. Uh, yep. So, I think on paper, like, you had a a better roster, uh, and and a big selling point was the continuity. But then you had Vando go out in, in like Vando going out in training camp. I, I think was kind of where a lot of these problems started. Had Vando not gone out, I think he would have started the season as the starting small forward. Uh, you would have had Torian coming off the bench, and I think there would have been proper slotting to start the season and, and maybe Vando starting would have created certain offensive issues that the Lakers would have had to go to Torian or to Rui uh, and mix things up that way. But I think Vando's injury sneakily had a, a domino effect that set a lot of these issues in motion because that promoted Torian into the starting lineup that kind of limited Rui's role. And because uh, Rui didn't have a great training camp, um, I think you, you kind of saw like Rui had a, pretty small role to start the season and it has fluctuated throughout, but like, I don't think Rui had a, a great camp, a great preseason and that kind of put him behind the eight ball to start the year. So I think the Lakers have tried to prioritize continuity and um, you know, with the exception of, of D'Lo who again, that contract was basically signed to be moved. Uh, it was like, we're going to keep Rui. We're going to keep Vando. We're going to keep Austin. Like we're, we're going to put these guys next to LeBron and AD going to have it gabe we're going to bring in someone at the trade deadline and like this is a seven or eight player rotation that we can grow with and now it's like i don't know like uh i mean we'll, we'll see what happens with Delo. like you know Rui's potentially going to be moved now you know his season has not gone as expected uh gabe has been maybe the worst mid-level signing probably the worst mid-level signing i guess off the top of my head uh given yeah. the, the injuries and the continuity has just been non-existent and, and they don't know their top five guys. They don't know their top eight or nine. So it, it's kind of been a disaster from, from that perspective, but I do think they had the intentions to finally 
establish some continuity like from the second half of last season to this season you can make the case it is the most continuity roster wise that they have yeah. had since the championship season or maybe since that second season uh so i think there was the intentions like we're there to to do that but uh i think that there's just been kind of one thing after another that has unraveled the continuity and now you're in a you know point where if you do shake up the roster like i don't know how much it matters f- from a continuity perspective because you just haven't really had it so it's yeah. like why not bring in new guys you're basically going to be in the same position yeah i love the image of like everybody organizationally being on the same page excited about sustain you know sustainability and 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 continuity and all those things and darwin be like oh that's the email i missed my bad hold on we'll, we'll go back to oh. it <laughs> Well, um, yeah. All right, <laughs> we'll we'll get you out of here on 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 that note. And and again, make sure you guys are following Yovan and all of his work, um, whether it's at the Athletic or on his uh, Twitter and and all of the other socials that he puts stuff together on. Um, and he, you know, Yovan, you do great work. I always appreciate you stopping by. Thank you everybody for tuning in. I do have to really quickly answer this one. Have the Lakers taken notice of AD's playmaking? Yeah, they have, and I do think it will be a factor in some of what the Lakers do here. Cause I think at one point they were looking at like bringing in a couple point guards, but I do think, you know, like all of them mentioned of Bruce Brown, for example, uh, it, you know, he's not a primary ball handler, but he's a secondary ball handler who I think fits with what AD has been doing on the ball. Uh, but yeah, Jovan, thank you very much for hopping on. This has been an absolute blast as it always is. Check out his stuff at the athletic and on social media, wherever you find him. Um, and we'll talk to you again soon. I have one thing to say quickly. Okay, yeah. Uh, I want to give you your flowers. You've been crushing oh. it for the last <laughs> few weeks, months with, with the news breaking, with the insider information. Uh, and you, you know, you deserve all the success that you're having right now. And um, I, I'm, I know the people appreciate it, but I just wanted to give you a much deserved shout out uh, and just tell you you've been doing some great work and to keep it up. And well, the Venmo's on the way. So I appreciate, I appreciate, no, I, I really, really do. It's been, it's been a fun season and uh, I'm, I'm excited about where, where everything is heading here moving forward. But, but again, that's Jovan Buha of The Athletic and we will be back uh, after the game tonight here on the lounge, um, in the lounge after the game, after the Lakers probably get their butts kicked by the Clippers. We'll see how that goes.